<laughs> Lord have mercy. Father, we bless you for this day. We thank you for your word, your word in song, your word in prayer, and your word in sermonic form. We pray now that as your word goes forth, it will help and encourage somebody along the way to be all that you have called them to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you have ever heard of a mental health day? Mental health day. Anybody ever heard of a mental health day? Maybe you've taken one. Those of you who are looking at me strange, trying to figure out what a mental health day is. Well, a mental health day is a day off that you take for your mental health. Folk have gotten on your last good nerve. Coworkers have been cantankerous. Bosses have been belligerent. And you are literally at the end of your rope. You are right on the verge of walking into work going, y'all about to make me act a fool up in here, up in here. So before you get to that place, you say, I need a mental health day. It's a sick day that doesn't speak to where you are in terms of physical illness, but it addresses where you are in terms of your spirit, in terms of your mental health. And I was thinking, you know, a well-placed mental health day can make all the difference in the world. I don't know what you do on your mental health day, you know. Some people just get a book and read, watch television, you know, have a beverage, coffee, tea. You know, maybe go look at the water or something, right? (laughs) Something relaxing, something that's just going to give you that time out from life. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken a spiritual health day? You say spiritual health day. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean a day when you focus on getting your spirit right. A day when you say, you know what, I'm not going in today. I'm going to spend time in the Word of God. I'm going to listen to the songs of Zion. I'm going to listen to messages. I'm going to spend time today focusing on making sure my spiritual core is right and in alignment with God. See, the truth of the matter is we'll take a mental health day before we take a spiritual health day. And every one of us will come to a place, a point in life where we will be challenged to think about where we are in terms of our spiritual health. In our text today, we have a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. He is the leader of the children of God. And Jehoshaphat is facing insurmountable odds. Enemies are coming at him. They have joined forces. And they are shocked that these people are coming against them. And now Jehoshaphat has to make a decision. How is he going to respond to these overwhelming odds that are coming against him? My brothers and sisters, just like Jehoshaphat, you may be in a place where you feel 
like insurmountable odds are against you. You feel like enemies are coming at you from every which way, sometimes from within, sometimes from without. Maybe you have been dealing with an issue over and over again, and you just can't seem to get that breakthrough. Or maybe you're just beaten down to the point that you're ready to give up and throw in the towel. Today, I want to continue our look at this series of messages entitled, How to Pray Your Way to a Win. How to Pray Your Way to a Win. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? Amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Two things I want you to see today that I hope and pray will give you some inspiration, give you some insight into not just the call to pray, but the description and a prescription of how to pray so that you win, not against somebody else, but so you can win in life. Here's the first thing. Number one, well, last week, let me just do a little review. Last week, we shared with you two things around this idea of praying your way to a win. First, we said, You should stop being surprised when enemies rise up against you. And and let me help somebody in here who's a child of God. You really work hard to live right and love everybody. That won't stop people from rising up against you. Just just so you know. I mean, listen, they, they rose up against Jesus, right? Sometimes folk don't like you because you make them feel bad because of how good you are. Some folk don't like you because they don't like themselves, so they can't export what they haven't imported. At the end of the day, you have to live your life in a way that ultimately would please God and stop being surprised. Some of y'all have been Christians 20, 30, 40 years, and you're still shocked. Oh, my, I can't believe it. I ain't do nothing to them. Haven't you learned yet you don't have to do anything to somebody for them to not like you? Enemies will simply come. And remember how we define enemies. We talked about enemies being those people whose intent and desire it is to keep you from fulfilling God's potential in your life. They want to stop you from being all that God wants you to be. Even though God many times can take what they meant for evil and turn it around for your good, they still have as their goal to stop you from becoming all that God wants you to be. Which means what? Sometimes enemies can be on the outside of your home. Sometimes they'll show up on the inside of your home. Second thing we shared last week, you must be ready to meet the inevitable challenges coming into your life. You must be ready to meet the inevitable challenges coming into your life. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat was afraid, verse 3. And you need to know that fear is real. Fear is real. Anybody that tells you they're not afraid of anything, they just haven't run into anything that they're afraid of yet. But if you keep on living, you're going to run into something that is going to make you afraid, that is going to allow fear to rise within you. But B, you must respond to fear by faith in God in order to manage it properly. Fear is going to come. How do you manage that fear? Remember, we said typically there's two ways people respond to things. They respond by flight or by fight. But Jehoshaphat says, no, there's a third option for those of you who are children of God. You can respond by flight or by fight or by faith. Do you have the faith in God? 
to help you persevere through whatever it is you're facing. Today I want to look at verses 5 through 12. Verses 5 through 12 in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Here's the first thing I want you to see today. Number one, you can overcome your fears by reminding yourself of who God is while you pray. You can overcome your fears by reminding yourself of who God is while you pray. Most of us, when we pray, our prayers are full of and laden with requests to God. What we want God to do for us. We don't stop to pray in a way that acknowledges and reminds us of who God is. Some of you are old enough to remember old church. I, I tell the, the leaders here that this is not your grandmother's church, and that's not a slight on grandmama's church at all because the truth of the matter is with, with 24-hour Christian television, radio, CDs, downloadable, uh, 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 three or four Christian stations and everything else that we have, we produce no better Christians than our great-grandmamas who only had the 23rd Psalm. They did a better job of being a Christian in a shotgun house than we do in a four-bedroom house right now. But, but I remember those old church services. I, I started preaching and, and really cut my teeth on preaching in, in West Virginia, uh, first and third Sunday churches, second and fourth Sunday churches, right, fifth Sunday. And, and, and these are some old church buildings. I'm talking about the air conditioning was opening up the windows on both sides so you can let the breeze go through, right? And uh, they didn't have a light switch on the wall. You had to feel for the light in the middle of the aisle so you can pull the, 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 the string and turn the light on. I'm taking some of y'all back for a minute. And they didn't have any drums, and the old mothers be beating their foot. You know, they'd be stomping. And, and that dust sometimes would come up through the, through the floorboard. In the wintertime, they didn't have a heater. They had a, had a pot belly stove. It's a true story. It had a pot belly stove in the middle of the... Uh, so, so, it, so you had to build a fire, and you had to make sure you didn't get too close to the fire because it was hot in the wintertime, right? And, uh, and I remember those old deacons and them old mothers praying. And I'll be honest with you, in my, in my spiritual immaturity, I made fun of those prayers because I'd be like, why are they praying like that? Because they start off something like this. Let us pray. This morning, Heavenly Father, few your humble servants come knee bent and body bowed one more time. And Lord, we come to you, grand architect of the universe, the God who stood out on nothing and called something into existence. The God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, God who brought Israel out with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And, and they start talking all about God. And, and in, my, in my mind, I'm thinking, why are you telling God all of this? It's not like God doesn't know what he did. And they say, Lord, before we ask you for anything, we want to say thank you. 
We want to thank you, Lord, that the four corners of my room last night were not the four corners of my grave. I want to thank you that my bed was not my cooling board and my kibber was not my winding sheet. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what's a kibber? What's a cooling board? What's a winding sheet? So, so a cooling board was what you put a deceased person on to cool the body. And, and a kibber was a cover. And a winding sheet is what you would wind around the body after it was deceased. And so what they were saying was, I, I'm glad that my bed was not my cooling board. I didn't die, and I'm glad that my cover was not my winding sheet. And, and they go through all of this before they even got to a request. There were all of these preliminaries in my mind that really weren't necessary to ask God for something. Just ask God. He knows who he is. Just ask him. Here's what Jehoshaphat teaches us today. When you pray, you don't pray publicly to impress people with your biblical knowledge. You pray to remind them and yourself to whom you are talking. Once I establish who he is, I should have greater faith in requesting what I need. So watch what Jehoshaphat does. Jehoshaphat prays in a way that sounds like some of them old deacons used to pray. He says, verse 5, in the house of the Lord before the new court, verse 6, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Now, he's not informing God of anything. Remember, he's facing insurmountable odds. He's afraid. So he's got to remind himself of who God is. Look at A. Under one, he's reminding him of his person. His person. Jehoshaphat says, first of all, let's establish who he is. He is the God in heaven. He is the God who sits high and looks long. He is the God who is enthroned in glory. He can speak to the temporal because he rules over the eternal. He says, you got to remember who you're talking to. So, some, some scholars say he was reminding God, but God needs no reminding because God hasn't forgotten. The problem is many of us talk to God and we have forgotten to whom we're talking. Are you not the God in heaven? Look at B. He moves from his person talking about now his position. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Here it is. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. So let me affirm B, your position. That you are the only God who is sovereign, the only ruler over all the kingdoms and nations of the earth. Watch this. I acknowledge who you are in glory, but I need to remind myself that you're still in charge of earth. 
because I've got some earthly problems I need you to fix. I need you to address some stuff on earth with some folk, so I need to acknowledge that you are in charge of everything that goes on on earth. You have all power over heaven and earth. He moves from his person to his position. Look at C. He talks about his power. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Look at the C part of verse 6. In your hand are power and might so that none is, is able to withstand you. You alone are omnipotent. You alone possess all power and might. Now, remember, he's facing insurmountable odds. So what is he doing? He is praying to God in the earshot of the people and in his prayer, he is reminding himself and the people to whom they are praying. We are facing insurmountable odds. We can't beat this horde. We can't beat this crowd. But God, you have power in your right hand. You have might in your right hand. God, you have the ability to help us handle all that's coming our way. He moves from what? His person to his position, his power. Look at D, his provisions. He says, God, you got a plan. He can bring his plan to pass. Look at seven. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, Lord, you provided this. Lord, you gave this. Now, one of the reasons he gets to that place is because Jehoshaphat is afraid that they're going to lose everything. He's afraid that when this horde comes in, when these three enemies come in together, united, they're not going to come in to conquer Israel. They're going to come in to destroy the people of God, to wipe them off the face of the earth. He is concerned that they're going to lose this land. They're going to lose this connection with their past. And so he calls it out. He says, Lord, this is the land you gave to Abraham. You remember the promise you made? Sometimes in life, we believe that God has made promises and God does what he says or at least begins the process. But when things get difficult, we begin to doubt. And we begin to question, God, are you going to really let this happen? God, are you going to let this come to pass? Jehoshaphat prays and reminds himself and the people of God's person, God's position, God's power, and God's provisions. Listen to me carefully. When's the last time you prayed and took time in your prayer to remind yourself of who you were praying to? Uh, we hear the words of Jesus to his disciples when he went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he comes back and they're asleep. 
And he says to them, could you not tarry one hour? And so for many people, that hour-long prayer has become the sign of spiritual maturity, right? It's like, yeah, you, you can be mature when you pray for one hour. And, and if you're like many people, you have tried to pray one hour and fell short of praying one hour. Can I tell you one of the mistakes you made? You equated prayer with asking. And so you asked and asked and asked, and then you asked some more, and then you asked some more, and you said, Lord, I need you to, and, and you ran out of stuff to ask for. And you're trying to figure out, God, I don't even know how, how am I supposed to pray for an hour? Listen, if part of your prayer is just an acknowledgement And a reminder to yourself of who God is. See, when I remind myself that he is an all-powerful God, it changes the tone and tenor of my prayer. When I remind myself that he is Jehovah Rapha, that he is the God who can heal, and I start looking at verses and passages that talk about his healing power. When I talk about his healing power and then I ask him to heal me, my needing healing pales in comparison to all of the healing God has done. And then you know what you can say to God? Me too. God, what you did for them? Me too. God, you healed them? Me too. I need healing. God, you delivered them. I need deliverance. God, I'm not hating on them for being delivered. God, I'm just saying the same power that delivered them. Me too. Like, God, I I need you to do it. Now, when I start reminding myself of all that God has done in whatever area I need God to move in, it does what? It fuels my faith and it takes away from my fear because fear is rooted when I look in the mirror at myself. Faith is fueled when I look in the word of God and see God moving. Let me say it again. Some of y'all missed it. When I look in the mirror, fear is fueled. But when I look in the word, my faith is fueled. Look at Deuteronomy 4.39. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. First Chronicles 29 verse 12. Let's read it together. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Let's go to the second thing. Number two, I told you first, you can overcome your fears by reminding yourself of who God is while you pray. Number two, you must remain committed to God no matter who or what is against you. You must remain committed to God no matter who or what is against you. Verse 9, if disaster comes upon us, the sword 
judgment or pestilence or famine. We will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. This house was the temple that was built, that place that was dedicated to God, the place when God visited his people, he would show up and manifest his glory. Notice what Jehoshaphat says. Disaster, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine. We will stand before this house and before you. We will remain committed to you. Uh, Reminds me of the three Hebrew boys. Remember who stood before Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar gets word that these three are not going to follow his orders. They're not going to bow down and and worship the image that he has created. He gets word. He brings the three to him. He says, listen, maybe there was a misunderstanding. I'm going to give you all another chance. We're going to have a do-over. We're going to play the national anthem of Babylon again. And you have to bow down when you hear this national anthem. If you don't, I'm going to take your life. You're going in the furnace. And they said to him, oh, king, you don't even have to play it again. You don't have to strike up the band again. It was no mistake. We knew exactly what we were doing. We will not bow down because our God is able to deliver us. And even if he chooses not to, we still not going to bow down. God to might. Listen to what Jehoshaphat says. Even if disaster comes, we don't have a fair weather faith. We don't need the absence of the disaster or absence of the sword or absence of judgment or absence of pestilence or absence of famine to stand before you. If all of that comes, guess where we're going to be, Lord? We are still going to be standing before you. Now, watch this. Here's the difference. We don't have a temple now for the Holy Spirit to occupy in the sense of a building. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, the moment we did, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. So here's our word now. We don't stand before you. We are still going to stand with you. We are still going to stand in the power of God no matter what comes our way. Paul said it in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of God? He went down a whole litany of things that many people would look at. And when they come into your life, you think God is absent and his love is absent. And God says, no, it's still there. And that's why Paul closes by saying we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are conquerors over everything that comes our way. So watch this. They're praying. God says, are you committed? They said, we're committed, God. We're committed. We're committed. And and for somebody in here, that's what God wants to know. Are you committed? 
Are you committed despite what you go through? Are you still committed? Do you have a fair weather faith? Or, or do you have a faith that's rooted in your focus on God? He says, are you committed? Are you committed to trusting God? Are you able to look back in your life and see the faithfulness of God in your life? And to know based on what he's already done that Philippians 1, he who has begun a good work in you is able to bring it to completion. God doesn't start anything he doesn't finish. But for somebody who needs a little encouragement, for who's bringing you to trouble, look at verse 10. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit. Jehoshaphat is praying. And he says to God, he says, God, you remember them folk when we came out of Egypt and we was ready to take the land? And you said, no, don't bother them. Ammonites, Moabites. He says, no, no, don't bother them. He says, they were blessed by us not destroying them. All right, I don't want y'all to miss this. Listen. Sometimes the folk you have blessed in your life will turn around and come against you. No, I'm not talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know. There have been folk I've helped pay the bills. They needed clothes. I bought clothes. They needed no pay, help them. Need, I, I mean, I can go down the list. And they be the very ones that are lie. And watch this. Their lie has credibility because they were so close. And somebody said, well, they, they couldn't have been lying, you know, because you know how close they were. Listen to me carefully. Sometimes the ones you help the most will try to hurt you the most. The ones you do the most for will turn around and say, see, you don't do anything. for." I always tell people, you got to be careful of using them never and always. You don't ever, you don't, you don't never do, you, you always, huh? And see, I'm not the kind of person, I don't keep tabs. At least I used to not keep tabs. Folk have taught me to start, start keeping a record of some stuff. You know what I mean? When you start talking about never, I'm mean, like, okay, now look here. Uh, January 2004. You know what I mean? You got, you got to keep a record for some folk because they, they get short-term memory. They remember what they need. They don't remember what they owe. 
Jehoshaphat said, these are the last folk that should be coming against us. But listen to me carefully. Sometimes it's the last folk that should be coming against you that the devil will use to come against you. But here's what I need you to know. Those people became a source of spiritual development for Jehoshaphat and the people. I want you to think about this. If these three nations had not come together, they would have never presented an insurmountable force that would have forced Jehoshaphat and the people to pray like they did. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that total dependence upon God is a good thing? Totally dependent upon God. I, I want you to look at something. Look at verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, there's a suggestion here. It's descriptive. I'm not sure if it's prescriptive, but it is descriptive. Basically, what Jehoshaphat is saying is, I'm at a point, I don't know what to do, so guess what? Now that I don't know what to do, my eyes are on you. I just asked you a question. Is it a good thing to totally rely and depend upon the Lord? And most of you raised your hands. Let me ask you another question. What do you have to go through to get you to a place where you totally depend and rely upon God? See, most of us, we say it's a good thing, but we don't want to go through what we got to go through in order to get us to a place where we totally rely and depend upon God. I'm talking about... That's the place where you're hopeless. That's the place where your contacts won't call you back. That's the place where friends become enemies, where in-laws become outlaws. That, that's a place where you are literally all by yourself and it's just you and the Lord. That's the place you've got to be where you say, you know what? Now I'm totally leaning and depending on you. See, that's stuff that you didn't understand when the old folk was singing, talking about if I ever needed the Lord before, I sure do need him now. And Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. That's when you get to a place of total desperation and dependence. Jehoshaphat says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sometimes God puts you in a position to see who or what your eyes are on. Sometimes God puts you in a position to take your eyes off of who or what you've been looking at. And to put your eyes on him. See, think about it. Even in our prayers, we spend more time in our prayers talking about our problems than we talk about our God. We talk about how great our problems are more than we talk about how great and awesome our God is. 
God, God says, no. He says, where is your focus? Is your focus on the stuff? Is your focus on the problem? Where is your focus? What are you focusing on? Who are you focusing on? Look at Psalm 25, verse 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Psalm 123, beginning at verse 1. Let's read it together. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Do you see that imagery? Servant watches his master. Maidservant watches her mistress. He says that should be our focus on the hand of the Lord. Psalm 141, verse 8. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Mental health day. You may need one sooner than you think. Always encourage you. If you need a mental health day, go on and take it. But as important, if not more important than a mental health day, I want to encourage you to take a spiritual health day to make sure your spirit is right with God. Father, we thank you and we bless you today for just your love for us. And we pray now, God, that as we pray, help us to remind you of who you are. Really remind ourselves of who you are. Especially in those areas particular to the problems and issues we're dealing with whatever it is God we know you can speak to it because you are that kind of God and so we ask you to bless now it's in Jesus name we pray amen